0: It's occurred to me several times, and I've forgotten each time that we should like welcome people. So, welcome. That I'm, yeah, so you're listening to Whiskey and Wino. And, uh, yeah, the Whiskey
1: and Wino. Hello. Show.
0: Yeah, we constantly just jump straight into, like, <laughs> you just happen to catch us in the middle of a conversation. So, we should talk to the editor about that. We should, yeah. Clearly somebody's fallen down on the job.
1: Okay, so I made a new concoction with my banana rum. Oh, shit. All right, let's hear it. What is it? This time I put strawberry baileys, banana rum, bananas, strawberries, and milk. Ew, and milk? Well, yeah, it's like a smoothie with liquor. Okay.
0: I, I don't like milk, so maybe it's just a me not. thing. Every time I don't I bring up milk. You're just like, Bleh.
1: <laughs> jeez, that's a horror story on itself.
0: Yeah, I don't know why. It just as soon as you say, and I added milk. It just it threw the whole thing off. It's not maybe like coconut milk, I'd be more in. I oh. wish
1: I had like whipping cream would have been good. Well, like half oh. and half.
0: hmm But I didn't have it, so hey. It well, is what it you is. improvise. That's how you got yourself in this banana mess, right? <laughs> Improvising. It's not my favorite,
1: I'm not going to lie. I don't like the strawberry Baileys in it. Now I know. Oh,
0: yeah, well. But it's refreshing because it's freaking hot here. It is hot. You know, I just went camping in Temecula, and on Saturday it was 109. Oh,
1: Oh, gross.
0: Yeah, it was brutal as fuck. It was really hot.
1: That's a terrible time to go camping.
0: Yes, it is. It was for a birthday, a friend of mine's birthday, so he can't change his birthday. But um, Are you sure? Right? Like can we just celebrate your half birthday and wait until like <laughs> August birthdays we just don't do, I'm sorry. Yeah. It's Unless just it's at the beach. Yeah. Um, but I am drinking this wine today that I bought for camping and I didn't drink it. It's uh called Bandit. It's a it's in a cardboard box. It looks like, like um soup, uh, broth. Like when you buy broth. Yes, yes. Yeah, it's exactly like that. It's they make it, it for, yeah, they make it for camping and for walking on trails and stuff. This is actually a bottle and a half of wine. Wow. And it's all in like eco-friendly containers. Um, it's called Bandit and it's actually pretty good. I mean, I'm no wine connoisseur and this is just red wine and that's pretty okay with me, but <laughs> it tastes pretty good. Nice. Yeah. So I, I have to tell you really quick, um,
1: you know, my kid gets really upset if if, if the episodes aren't downloaded on Tuesdays. Yes. Like, I, I have to hear about it. So when we were listening next uh, next Wednesday, next Wednesday. <laughs> wow. Time future, traveler. Um, which is actually makes a lot of sense for this episode. But Ooh. we were listening to Up in the Air and she, I said, yeah, next is D.B. Cooper. And she goes, I know who that is. I'm like really tell me about it why does she know all this i can't get her to learn seven times eight but she knows all about db cooper and i go how did you know that and she says youtube duh and i was like you had to know
0: about it to look it up it's not like you just looked up not with youtube there's some weird my kids watch some really weird um they're like teen you know Teen people who are trying to get more followers and stuff and they do all these reviews like reviews of things so it's not even their own like their own content they're just reviewing other people's YouTube videos and oh. so randomly they'll have something where I'm like like how did you find that and it's because someone was on another YouTube site reviewing some. Something else, if they just mention it, you know, perhaps a different website was mentioning it, and then they were commenting, like, Oh, how crazy is that? You know,
1: it was weird. She knew about the kid that found the money and the boy scout or whatever he was. I was like,
0: Good, she probably heck? watched the same, yeah, she probably watched the same stuff that I did when I was 10, yeah, no, 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 not 10. I meant watch the same stuff that I watched oh. to do the <laughs> episode, <laughs> no, at 10. I was oh, definitely, what? definitely I'm not watching YouTube because it wasn't invented yet. Right. That would have been super <laughs> cool if you would have invented it though. Yeah. That's yeah. Funny. I'd probably have better podcasting equipment. Hey.
1: <laughs> All right. Shall we begin? Because I know how yes. some people don't like the banter, dad. <laughs> but our other listeners love the banter. So meh. But my dad did we give me have this idea. Poll. We should have a poll. Today we're talking about the Philadelphia experiment Do you know anything about it? Not by the name, no Okay, I'm going to blow your mind Because this is crazy shit So like I said, my dad actually gave me this idea And when I typed it into my notes on my phone I wrote Phil X And I'm looking at it and I'm like Who the hell is Phil and who's his X? Yeah (laughs) So I had to actually be like what do you think Phil would mean? So Philadelphia experiment is what it was. Like once I looked it up, I'm like, oh yeah, that's what he was talking about. But I thought that was funny.
0: Don't Phil's abbreviate X.
1: things. Yeah, mm-hmm. I don't do that. It's just he was talking so fast. I was like just trying to type abbreviated. So then I'm like, when I'm reading about it, I'm like, is this a conspiracy theory or is this an urban legend? So just so you know, this is the first sentence of when I looked it up. The Philadelphia Experiment is one of the most grotesque military urban legends ever, and has endured as an infamous World War II conspiracy theory. So, totally didn't Ooh. answer my question. As much fun as this would be to believe, I don't think I fall into this category. But hey, we'll let you guys decide. So, here we go. Hope this blows your mind like it did mine. The Philadelphia right. Experiment, also called Project Rainbow, and who doesn't love rainbows? Yeah is an alleged military experiment carried out by the US Navy at the Philadelphia Naval Shipyard in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania hmm. so sometime around October 28 1943 the. US Navy destroyer escort the USS Eldridge was claimed to have been rendered invisible or cloaked um, against enemy devices hmm okay 1943.
0: Well, I almost believe it. I mean we have stealth uh, right. submarines now. Like
1: right. you're saying not detect by radar is what you're thinking.
0: Yes. Mm-hmm. Are you, you're talking about like a legit like a person can't see it in the water? Um like Wonder Woman's a visible plane. So a person can't see it when it's when you're underwater. That's what they're saying. Above water, correct. Oh yeah, underwater. Okay. Above water, yeah. Okay. Well, I wouldn't be able to see a fucking submarine above the water anyway, if it was deep enough. Like I'd never said it was a submarine. Oh. what? Did, yes, you did. No, I didn't. I never Where mentioned the I word submarine. Where did I get submarine then? I don't know. Fuck, like, okay. There's, there's no submarine here. Jesus, I had one sip of wine. <laughs> Fucked me all up. You are cut <laughs> off, man. I'm Pay broken. <laughs> okay, sorry. All right,
1: so here's the origin Wait, of the but you did
0: say it was... Sorry. I did you not. Did, <laughs> the USS
1: Eldridge, it's just a Navy destroyer. I never said anything about it okay. being a sub. Okay. <laughs> All right. Got it. <laughs> God. Some people's kids. All right. <clears throat> so here's the origin of the story. In 1955, this astronomer, Morris Jessup, was publishing a book called The Case of the UFO. And it was about UFOs. Huh. Mm-hmm. And the exotic means a propulsion that they might use. So the book contained text about unified field theory, which was first coined by Albert Einstein. Just so you know, this is the layman's terms I'm going to try to use. Yes, please. Uh, a unified <laughs> field theory... Is a theory that describes two or more of the four interactions, which are electromagnetic, gravitational, weak, and strong. So this experiment is layman's terms. Okay, this is I'm gonna really lay layman term right now. It's okay. It's an attempt to unify Einstein's general theory of relativity with electromagnetism magnetism, sorry. Okay. It's never been proven to this day.
0: Okay. Okay. So Einstein's theory of of relativity is how the farther from something you are, the slower it moves.
1: Ooh, look at you. Is that
0: what it is? In very layman's terms, yes. Well, I am a very layman person. (laughs) So
1: (laughs) like the more I try to layman it, I was like, that still doesn't make any sense to me. So (laughs) I get it. So he received two letters from Carlos Miguel Alindi. LND AKA Carl M. Allen, who claimed to have witnessed a World War II experiment at the Philadelphia Naval Shipyard. According to Carl Allen, the USS Eldridge teleported to New York from Philadelphia to another dimension, where it encountered aliens and teleported through time, resulting in the deaths and insanity of several states. Oh
0: Carl claimed so, sorry. Sorry, I'm just trying to get my geographic bearings here. Philadelphia is very close to New York, isn't it? Yes. Well, Pennsylvania and New York touch. The states touch. Right, but like uh, Philadelphia is on the east side. Obviously, it's got it's got a shipyard. There's so many oceans in that part of. Do you really want to say that? Like, there's so many oceans.
1: No, no, no. I I didn't mean oceans.
0: I meant there's so many bodies of water. Like, that's how they used to (laughs) send everything, was through the rivers. Like, they had, you know, the Hudson met up with the blah, 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 and they went all the way to, like, Ohio that way. So I'm sure there's some shipyards along the way. Okay. Yeah, I'm done. (laughs) I'm editing all this out. No, you're
1: not. (laughs) Okay. Carl claimed to have been taught by Einstein himself and could prove the unified field theory based on events he witnessed on October 28, 1943. Morris Jessup, the astronomer, decided he was a crackpot. Right? Wouldn't you? Mm -hmm. In 1957, Morris Jessup was contacted by the Office of Naval Research in Washington, D.C. who had received a parcel containing his book with uh, notes in it claiming... That extraterrestrial technology allowed the U.S. government to make breakthroughs in unified field theory. There were three different authors well, writing that, these notes.
0: That's kind of been a theme throughout history, right? As soon as there's an advancement, that people think, okay, well the aliens had to have something to do with it because they advanced so quickly, you right, know? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Jessup became so obsessed with these revelations
1: that he ended up committing suicide in 1959 because wow. he was so disturbed by the notes. Unfortunately, in 1980, it was proven that Carl Allen had actually written all three of the different notes they thought were from three different authors. They're actually all from him with different
0: colored ink. So but, not because he was like schizophrenic and he didn't think he wrote them or? We don't know. Um, I mean... yeah, actually,
1: yes, he was not all there mentally. Absolutely. Yeah. But mm. maybe we'll know why. So let's get to the fun stuff, because there we got over all the boring scientific crap let's get to the fun stuff so supposedly (laughs) the philadelphia experiment of the uss eldridge was first tested in the summer of 1943 the first test resulted in the eldridge being rendered nearly invisible with some witnesses seeing a green fog appearing in the boat's place crew members complained of feeling severe nausea after they returned also when the ship reappeared some sailors were embedded in the metal of the ship (gasps) including one soldier who ended up a deck lower with his hand embedded in the steel hull of the ship.
0: So like your particles, like when you teleported, your particles went back in the wrong place. Correct. Oh no. Oh
1: no. Another sailor was said to have a bar right through his body, like the hand railing. Like he showed up in the middle of it. Fuck. So some sailors went completely bananas, which could understand and were put down. Yeah. Or deemed mentally incompetent. Put down seems like something you do to a dog. Yeah, well, I mean, see so some shit. That's some shit. <laughs> That's some shit. The experiment was repeated after being recalibrated on October 28, 1943. This time, the Eldridge did not become invisible, but it disappeared in a flash of blue light, only to teleport over 200 miles to Norfolk, Virginia where it sat in view of men aboard the SS Andrew Forseth for approximately 10 minutes, whereupon it vanished again and reappeared in the Philadelphia Naval Shipyard.
0: Approximately 10 minutes back in time. So 10 minutes to go from Philadelphia to Virginia, back to Philadelphia. Correct. And then they
1: were 10 minutes back in time than where they had started. Oh, but Uh, the teleportation had awful consequences on the sailors, who many were molecularly ...attached to the ship. The first thing they found were two sailors buried in the steel on deck, dying or near death. Some sailors were missing or vaporized. And there were reports that some soldiers were turned inside out. <gasps> Fuck that. So I
0: have some pictures. Could you even... No. No, you that's... don't have a picture. I do,
1: and I'm sure they're fake or they're from a movie, because there was a movie that they did about this. But either way, it's super creepy to, to witness. I can't really see it, but we'll put it on the website. All right. Fine. Don't look at my cool black and white pictures. It's cool.
0: Okay. Anyway. um, That would be insane to witness. Yeah. I could see why you might need a why little padded room. Go banana. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, uh-huh.
1: just the pictures, even though I'm sure they're fake. I'm sure they're fake. It's still Really chilling to look at. So how does Carl Allen seem to be the only person who knows about this? According to him, he was on the USS, uh, what was that, Andrew Forsyth? I wish I would have looked how to pronounce that. And he witnessed the USS Eldridge showing up in the boatyard in Virginia. He knew what was going on because he was Buddy's member with Einstein.
0: Still, how is he the only Mm -hmm. witness to come forward? Well, I mean, I wonder if that's the only, like, credible witness. You know, I mean, what if those people went so crazy that, like, nobody believed what they were saying because they just, you know, either couldn't form the words or they, you know, sounded crazy. So in 1984, they made a
1: movie called The Philadelphia Experiment, which was loosely based on Carl Allen's stories. It sucked, just so you know. But the story doesn't oh, I was going to say, I've never heard of it. In 1988, yeah, they had a sequel and I heard it was even worse. Oh. In 1988, a man named Al... Bilak claimed he was aboard the Eldridge when it disappeared and he forgot because he had been brainwashed to forget. Oh, new thought, elements to the story. Oh, yeah. Because he wanted to know why they don't remember anything, right? If they didn't go bananas or were embedded in chips. Mm-hmm. So here's the thing. So Al is watching the 1984 movie Philadelphia Experiment. This is in 1988, though. So it had been out a while. He went to Blockbuster, got a video. <laughs> So he's watching it, and all of a sudden, these memories come flooding back. So here's a little background on Al. Al's earliest memory was from before he was able to walk. He recalls crawling around, listening to adult conversations, and understanding what they were saying. Just so you know, most people don't have any memories before the age of three. It's very, very rare. Yeah. Unless it's maybe subconscious. I don't know. Anyway, Al went through his life known as the walking encyclopedia by his classmates. He never understood why his brain could retain so much information. So on his 60th, 60th birthday, he understood why. Like he said, he watched the Philadelphia Experiment. I put Philadelphia Project. Mm-hmm. In 1988. Mm-hmm. So the movie's only an hour and 42 minutes long. So it's not really a movie you're going to sit there and think about for long periods of time. He started Mm -hmm. experiencing flashbacks, these vivid, terrifying flashbacks that were really concerning him. So he decided that he would get help. So he went to a New Age memory retrieval person. He went to psychics and therapists. And eventually he was Hmm. able to piece all these memories together. Oh, gosh. In in 1990, he decided to start sharing what he knew. First of all, his name was an albucin. Al Bielek. His real name was Edward Cameron. Okay, was, why would you
0: pick Bielek as your last name then? Oh,
1: we'll get there. Oh, okay. Now, Edward Cameron was born into Al Bielek's body. And I wrote, don't oh, worry, shit. Jen, we will get to that, is what I wrote after <laughs> I said that. <laughs> you know me so well. So Al said, Edward Cameron was born in 1916. The government assigned him to live with the Beale family and be part of a government cover-up. He said he not only witnessed the Philadelphia experiment, he was also an experiment, and the experiment was more than teleporting a ship. His story begins in 1939 when he and his brother, Duncan Cameron, enlisted in the Navy. During this time, scientists, including my boy, Nikola Tesla, was helping the government develop some sort of device to be invisible to enemies. Both Edward mm-hmm. Cameron and Duncan Cameron were on the USS Eldridge when the device was activated. Al slash Edward claims that immediately every sailor felt incredibly sick. Everyone on the ship was surrounded by chaos. People were frightened and screaming. So the two brothers decided to jump overboard. Hmm. But instead of ending up in the water, they found themselves suspended in time before everything went black. The oh next thing the next thing that happened was Al slash Edward woke up in an unfamiliar place. This is crazy. Wait a minute.
0: This sounds really familiar to Captain America's boyfriend. Oh, Bucky. Yeah. You know how I feel about Bucky. Not a fan. Yes, I do. But still. Winter Soldier. my suspended. ass. He was suspended in time. He killed Iron Man's parents, okay. Yeah, all right. Well, now you just blew that for every single person who has not. (laughs) Oh, spoiler alert.
1: (laughs) Okay, where am I? Okay, so he woke up in a hospital bed next to his brother, and they both had suffered radiation burns. He learned he was no longer in 1943, but he had traveled through time and arrived in 2137 AD. 2137. That's quite a jump. That's quite a jump. And guess what? He had a few questions. So here's (laughs) the doctors explained to him the severe changes that had taken place between World War II and 2137. Hmm. This is great. All the West Coast and Southeast America were underwater. So we apparently finally had an earthquake and we were finally underwater. Atlanta was now on the coastline, Atlanta, Georgia. Maybe it's good that you're going to move to
0: Pennsylvania because
1: your house is going to be underwater. (laughs) But Florida was completely gone, which is probably because they're so crazy there. They blew it up. (laughs) Just six weeks after that, Al traveled once again in time to 2749. And once again, he woke up in a hospital, but it looked nothing like the one from 2137. He could tell from the technology he was in a very distant future. He describes getting light treatment therapy for his time travel injuries. He said a broadcaster on TV only screened history, geography programs, and the news. So they didn't have reality TV and all that crap anymore.
0: So YouTube was gone. Everything it came, was gone. And then it was gone. Yes. Also, I was unaware that you could get injuries time traveling. Who knew? For his, he got light therapy for time traveling injuries. I mean, does this happen often? Uh-huh. So and I
1: guess here's what's funny. He spent the next two years there in 2137 being a tour guide. Uh, think about that. Okay. How
0: half weird, right? of his country or half of the country he knew is underwater. Right. The so West Coast and Florida.
1: How big of a tour guide could he be? I just think that's such mm. a weird profession. So you wake up in the hospital and you're like, okay, you're a tour guide now.
0: So um, the- this sounds vaguely like Futurama. I know I keep peppering and all these like entertainment well, out there things, but Futurama is basically that he wakes up and he's given the job as a pizza boy. <laughs>
1: That's true. pizza, pizza delivery. Oh, wait, no.
0: He's a pizza boy and then he gets a job at something. I don't know. It's been probably 15 years since I've watched Futurama. Anyway, sorry. He
1: also learned the whole world was controlled by a synthetic computer system. Wow. See, AI is going to take over. Um, all messages. I mean, were- that's
0: pretty advanced, though. Yeah,
1: 2137.
0: From from well, from 1940 to think that way. I mean, I guess it's always been something people are concerned about—technology t- taking over or whatever. But that's seems pretty advanced for him to be imagining.
1: Agreed. There was nothing familiar about the Earth he knew in the 28th century. Apparently, most of the changes was due to the two violent wars that were fought globally. The first between Russia and China, and the other one mm-hmm. was by the US and Europe, which is weird because Europe's always been our ally. At least in I was gonna the say century.
0: I I believe the Russia China bit more than I believe the US uh yeah, and Europe. or Europe. Yeah.
1: But During Trump's the- here.
0: So I mean who who knows? <laughs> Anything could happen. <laughs>
1: Uh, During the aftermath of said wars, cities were wiped out. Centralized government no longer existed. Out of 7.7 billion people, only 300 million were left. Mm -hmm. And the U.S. was under military rule. They now had anti-gravity technology allowing people to live on floating cities two miles above the Earth. He learned that their lives were completely taken over by AI, artificial intelligence, and nobody could tell him how that happened. Before he knew... It was him and his brother once again traveled through time. But this time they ended up in 1983. How did they both end up together all the time? I don't know. I mean, do they just like they're doing something and then poof, they're gone. Do they go back and be like, beam me up, Scotty? Like, how does that work?
0: He doesn't go into that detail. I don't know. Yeah. Well, I guess if you think that the government is controlling you, it would be the government's decision to remove you from that time. True. And
1: I always thought, well, where's your brother's story? Does he have a story? But now you'll find out why he doesn't have a story. Oh, Uh, let's see. Okay. So when they got to 1983, the top secret government officials were waiting. They told him to never speak of what they witnessed. They had more journeys for him to to go on. But these were to the past. So no more future jumps. The farther Mm. back Ed Cameron went, he regressed
0: out of existence. Well, that's wild. But everybody knows the thing of time travel is you don't go to the past. Right, you could change it. Butterfly effect. Butterfly effect.
1: So his brother, on the other hand, aged rapidly and didn't make it. So that's Did why we don't have it. his story. He didn't make it.
0: Did he, he ever exist, this brother? We Do don't
1: we know. Have any
0: so we we don't have any idea like his family, where he came from, like. No. Okay. So they the government assumed that they
1: sent Ed Al whatever back in time with a new family. Edward Cameron and the Philadelphia experiment would disappear, but they didn't expect Al Belik to remember what happened mm. about conspiracy theories and time travel. So he decided he wow. had to share the story to the world, mostly to stop AI from taking over the world.
0: He's like modern day Terminator.
1: Yeah. Right. He's John, uh, Terminator. John, John Connor, Connor. John Connor. Yep. Yeah. That's sort of it. Is. Good job. So here's the real deal. So this is, besides all the holes in the story, there's timeline inconsistencies. The USS Eldridge was not commissioned until August 27th, 1943, and remained in port in New York City until September 1943. So it could not have been doing the first test run in the summer of 1943. In October, when it was said to have jumped time, it was actually on its way to the Bahamas. Or was it? Hmm.
0: Mm. As for the USS yeah, Eldridge, to, go ahead. When you get into those kind of conspiracy things um, before, you know, like, you can always explain away certain things because you're in that conspiracy, so you can right. bend facts to make it fit your narrative. Absolutely. And as for the USS Eldridge itself, it was sold to Greece
1: and re-Christian the H.S. Leon, and now it is in pieces after being sold for scrap metal in the 1990s. Oh, so it's still visible.
0: It's in well, pieces.
1: not really. It's kind of been sold to here and there and everywhere. So I I heard there's a book on it that actually has a lot other witnesses, but it was 20 bucks and you had to get it on paperback and it wasn't going to be here forever. So I'm mm-hmm. not really sure how much that would have. I just wanted to see. There's got to be somebody else out there that remembers this. There's got to be something
0: on it. But for sure. Yeah. I don't know. This one's pretty far fetched for me. It's hard once you get into the government things because if you believe that the government has all the technology for certain things, then they could memory erase, they could mind trap, they could, you know, there's all these things that they can do to rewrite your brain's memory or, you know, whatever it is. So you can't, there's no logic in people who think certain things. You can't come at them with logic because then it's like, oh, well, they actually have something that could wipe your brain, or they have something that can make you disappear. Or, I mean, other than them killing you, they can make you disappear. But well, in
1: 1943, if we if we had that technology, then in 2020 we should be able to do
0: this all over the place, right? Definitely, definitely. I mean, we're talking about like 80 no, years. I mean, they're just now doing things with. Invisibility with mirrors and cameras. You know, they're doing this where they have small, tiny cameras that basically just project whatever's on the back side to the front side with like the, you know, LED and all that stuff. So there's no way. Cause I just think, I don't know. There's, there's
1: so many holes in this story, but mm-hmm. it is a well known story. I'm like, how do I, how do I, did I not know this?
0: Like, this I've is never some of trippy
1: shit. Yeah, kind of crackpot yeah, shit. Yeah, wild. And plus, Roswell hadn't happened yet. So,
0: hmm. That's right. Well, uh, wait, 43. That was in 1945. Like I think it was 47. Oh, 47. Yeah. I believe it. it. It was somewhere in the 40s. But I'm like, hmm, and that's where they
1: supposedly got the stealth. Capabilities, which look at the, how mm-hmm. long it took them to do that to reverse engineer to get that stealth. Which that's yeah. only if you believe in Roswell, which of course you do. Roswell yes.
0: happened. We'll get there. <laughs> we will definitely be covering that. Well, that is that's out there, man. That's out what's there. crazy, though. What's crazy is that this became well known, and this is one guy. Yeah, you know, usually you have think the military weird. could just. Shut up, one guy. Like, yeah. Shut up. You're weird. You know. Right. And he
1: went everywhere to tell the story. Like in the 1990s, I guess he was like the bee's knees. Huh. <laughs> and he was in his 60s, late like late 60s or whatever when this started. Well, he was in it. He was 60, but like when he started to piece it all together and start talking yeah. on talk shows and stuff, and they they say he hmm. was like a normal. Guy, he wasn't like this crackpot until he saw this movie, and then all of a sudden. But you know, maybe he just wants to make money.
0: Well, and also, I think as you age, your brain, depending on what you do, I mean, he could have been a totally normal guy, and then
1: maybe he had a stroke, and then
0: I was just gonna say that you, yeah, like your brain can, your brain could change, and you don't know it. You know, you could have a stroke, and you wouldn't even. It could be at night and you're sleeping and you wake up and your brain just chemistry has changed a bit. And then you speak French and you're like, I've never spoken
1: French in my entire life. Right. Those, those things happen, but I don't know.
0: I still think there would be a lot more witnesses. Something. Yeah, I believe in nighttime stroke over an invisible ship.
1: Because I mean, <laughs> even for Roswell, you have a plethora of witnesses mm-hmm. and... And recordings and papers and shit. This is like nothing. Yeah. It's just, but yet, why is it so well known? Because it's so wild.
0: It is. Like, the well, I
1: read, I'm like, wow. Also,
0: this we're going to, we're going to either do a regular episode or we're going to do a wildly speculating show. Um, I was just reading about the UFO. Uh, the government is establishing a task force. Task force. <laughs> A task force (laughs) to um, investigate UFOs. There's it's official like it's a thing. So but I didn't read much into it, but we're going to talk about it at some point. Project Blue Book. My case this week takes us not technically to Philadelphia, which you did say Philadelphia. It is we're going to go back. Almost a century, 1928, which is really fucking weird to say, a century in 1928. Like, we're about to be in 2028. Not about to, but it's closer than 1928. So, it's a home in Stewartstown, Pennsylvania, which is a, a little around like 100 miles west of Philadelphia. Okay. Healing Oh. And in particular, a folk healing ritual known as Broche, B-R-A-U-C-H-E. I thought it was really close to Broche. It is really close to uh, Broche. I was going to say, it sounds like brosh. Or also
1: Broche But a lot of people um, said my name was really Broche, not Broche. But I preferred brosh when I was brosh, not Broche.
0: Yeah. Well, I don't know. Th- but this is, all right, well, I'll just get into it. It. It lives on in the spiritual healing practices that are, are in the area of America that are associated with witches due oh. to the famous Salem witch trials of the 17th century. And in, in English, the Broush or Brousherie is powwow. So the Native Americans have the same word powwow, but it means something completely different. Oh, so I'm not going to get into the Native American powwow. But I'm going to say powwow and powwower all throughout this. So just know that it it's basically a, a witch, like a witch doctor, a spiritual healer. It's used for treating physical as well as spiritual ailments. Also, that a brusherie has been come to known as kind of a spell book of these witch doctors. There are rituals that are used for healing and rituals that are Used for protection. You know, there's just, it's different charms and chains. So it's like a book of shadows. And, it's
1: like
0: a book of shadows. Yeah, kind of. The practice of a powwow is actually used alongside Christian practices and is somewhat a mix of many religions, mostly originating with the German and the Dutch immigrants, along with William Penn opening the doors to the mixing of different religions in Pennsylvania which William Penn promised tolerance of all the religions. So with that became kind of a melting pot of all these different religions. Of course, as soon as we have magic that is meant for good, you get the magic that is meant for bad. And this story more focuses on the bad, which is a hex. John Blimer. Blimer.
1: His name's, names. John.
0: He was... I know. Need to
1: be named Smith at the end.
0: I think it's I think it's Blymere, and I'm just gonna call him that. Okay. So that's that. So John Blymere was born into the world of powwowers. and yes, that's a word. His father and grandfather were both powwowers by profession. They cured all sorts of things with spells and charms. If someone came to them to for help healing a wound. They would give them a chant to repeat until it's healed. It's very like they were consulted in places of a traditional doctor sometimes. So sometimes they're just referred to doctor like that's they don't have any special notations. It's just doctor. They were consulted in matters of farming, livestock, etc. like everything, just right. anything that was going wrong. It was like, help me. If there was an ailment in the family of a powwower that the powwower could not cure, they would bring in a different healer. Also, you know, there's not a lot of women in this particular area at this time. It was mostly men who were witch doctors or healers, which I found very interesting uh, for instance, John Blymere, his, it was his father and his grandfather were both. And that was their profession. People paid them. That's how they made their money. John Blymere, this is kind of what happened in his family. His family was healers, but he, they couldn't heal him. So they brought him to another healer. And I got most of the following information from a website called occult-world.com. Uh, which is a really cool site. It's really into like Wicca, um, kind of witch, healer type stuff, history on it. It was really cool. John Blymere was ill as a child. He had opnema, which is a term for people or livestock that lose weight rapidly and without explanation. Basically oh, wasting away. I I had that. I wish I had that. <laughs> oh, my God. Don't. Thinner. Yeah, <laughs> right. Remember that I, I movie? don't end up like <laughs> Thinner. No. Yeah. Thinner. No. The healers in John's family couldn't heal him, so they brought him to the home of Nelson Remire. Fuck these names. And I think he was about five when he was brought to the home of Nelson. Oh, I thought you met the healer it was five. I'm like, wow. No. That's well, impressive. some of these healers, they started as children. Like, it's almost like you have the gift and then it's cultured in you. So if you have a five-year-old or a seven-year-old who is helping someone out or they say something, you know, oh, do this, and then it works, they're said to have the gift. And then it's, like, cultivated in them. And so it's not unheard of. But it's just his, his family's healers couldn't figure out why he was wasting away. Like, there was nothing... So they brought him to uh, Nelson Raymire. Nelson Raymire was a very tall, very big man. He was a very well thought of powwower, but he was really uh, people thought that basically if he put a hex on you or if he didn't like you or whatever, it was be- it was like the devil himself had to break it. Like he was really he was powerful. So they're allowed to
1: do bad magic as well or bad.
0: Yes and no. Yes and no. It's very, if you did the hexes and like the bad stuff, you could never come back. Okay. Like if, if you came to me and said, you know, there's this bitch at work and I really, I hate them and I want them to have horrible consequences to everything they do or whatever. If I decided to hex them or whatnot if it came out, no one would ever come to me ever again. I would kind of be known as like the bad person you know what I mean So I it wasn't it wasn't common practice that people did these hexes. They just knew he was powerful he had he had a lot of power. when John was brought as a boy to see Nelson, Nelson told John's father, that he needed to have the boy pee in a pot before sunset, boil an egg in the pot, then poke three holes in the egg, place the egg on an anthill, and by the time the egg was eaten, the boy would be cured. So the ants ate the egg. Like you, it, the pee, Nobody ate or drank pee. It was just he had to pee. They had to boil the egg. The egg was put on an anthill. Was the egg boiled in pee? I believe so. What if he couldn't find an anthill? Then the boy was doomed to die. Oh, well, better <laughs> find
1: that damn anthill then, I guess. Yeah, uh,
0: I did look up what opnema is, and now we know, because this was in 1928, but now we know that it's brought on basically by malnutrition. When you get to the point of, of that much mal- malnutrition, you can't just be given an apple and you're fine. Like, you have to be... If that happened in today's land, you would be um, fed by a tube in a hospital until you could absorb the nutrition. Do you know what I mean? Yes. Yes. This was John Blymere's first interaction with Nelson Meyer. John grew up into success in the areas of witchcraft or healing, but he wasn't really successful in any other areas. <laughs> so he <laughs> <it> was a... <laughs> He was a dropout. Uh, He he dropped out of school at 13, which was super common around that day. I mean, it's 1928. As soon as you're a grown man, basically, which you're a man about 13, 14 in this day and age, you know, in 1928, you could go get a job. And people didn't look at it like, oh, you didn't finish school like they didn't give a shit. Could you work in a factory? Sure. Okay. He also (laughs) he wasn't very bright. And he wasn't very good looking. Oh. And he was pretty nervous all the time. He just was kind of a, I don't know. He wasn't a hunk or anything. He worked, he, he found to work a hunk. Who says that? I don't know. <laughs> you know, I, I honestly, as soon as I said it, I was like, what the fuck am I saying? Like Hunk. He was a hunk. That just sounds weird. It does sound weird. I'm using 1928 lingo,
1: okay? And see, that makes sense. Like, for us to say, oh, man, he's a hunk.
0: Uh Uh-huh.
1: We should be a lot older.
0: Yeah, we should. I should have been born in 1928. All right. So John found work at a cigar factory. And at the cigar factory, word was getting out that he could heal and that his family could heal. So one of his coworkers, named Albert, heard that John's family were healers, so he asked uh he asked John if he could have his family heal him. He had a a wheel W H E A L on his eye. I had to look this up too. It's a dry red itchy patch of skin. Like dry skin, itchy, it can cause inflammation. And it was located around his eye. So John said, you know, I'll give it a go to heal myself. And then, you know, if I can't, I will bring it to my family. So John told his coworker to bring a dirty dinner plate to work. (laughs) Albert did this the next morning. John pressed the dirty plate to Albert's face, dirty side to his face, by the way, he's, he has irritated skin (sighs) and he has a dirty dinner plate that has, is at least 12 hours old. Ew. On his eye. Then broke the plate on the floor, stomped on it, and did a sign of the cross to Albert's eye. Albert's <laughs> eye was healed the very next morning when he woke up. So this no thing had been, it had been affecting him for, I mean, days. It was irritating. It was bothersome. And the next morning he woke up and everything was fine. This led to John getting the reputation that he was a good healer or a, a powwow in 1912, all the men at the cigar factory were headed home. They walk out of the factory, and there's a rabid dog that confronts them. Foaming at the mouth, you know, all the men are like, fuck this. John steps in front of the men, said some words in a chanting way to the dog. The dog stopped stopped coming at them, stopped foaming at the mouth, and became super friendly so that John patted him on the head like he was in no danger and the dog followed him home with his tail wagging and he was a super happy pup huh so this All right. this was what really sealed his fame as a healer right like everyone was like are you fucking serious this guy like there was a dog it was freaking out side note have you ever seen a dog that's super dehydrated
1: yes Oh, when we take Zoe to dog beach and he's, she's running around. Oh God, she totally foams.
0: Exactly. That's what I thought. I'm like, what if it wasn't rabid and it was just kind of dehydrated? And then when he came up, she, she, or he, the dog licked the foam back into the mouth. You know, like it didn't, I don't know. I've also never seen a rabid dog and I refuse to watch old yeller. So I don't know what they look like. Or, um. What's the Stephen King one? Cujo. Yeah. Nope. I'm not doing that either. (laughs) Nope. (laughs) Following this incident with the dog, his fame as a healer grew, but his personal issues overpowered him and he started to fail at healing as well. So he redeveloped opnemia. He wasn't eating, wasn't sleeping. He lost lots of weight, became gaunt. Remember, he's a teenager at this time. Oh, that's right. Also, mentally, he had it in his mind that there was a hex put on him, and the hex was the cause of all the issues. And it was because he was too powerful as a powwow, powwower. So he thought because he was so great at being a powwower that other people in that profession were jealous and they placed a hex on him. So he consulted many witches to get rid of the hex. And nothing worked, but he was spending all his fucking money like and at this like so a year after the dog incident, he quit the cigar factory to focus full time on breaking his fucking hex. (laughs) Like he's like, I can't work. I I need to focus on breaking this hex. But he needed money, right? Because he was still consulting witches and like the witch doctors around him. And so he picked up jobs as like a janitor, a busboy, and he was still doing his own powwowing on the side, but he couldn't focus on anyone else. By the age of 19, he was a complete fucking mess. He weighed less than 100 pounds. Oh, wow. Which I don't care how short you are as a man. They never talk about how tall this guy is. Yeah, he was shorter than 6'2", because they do mention that Nelson. Ray Meyer was six two and that he was a giant basically around that time. So he's definitely shorter than that. But I mean, less than a hundred pounds, even if you're five foot as a man like that, that's fucking small. Like you're tiny. tiny. So he's less than a hundred pounds. He wasn't sleeping. He wasn't eating. He had headaches all day, probably because he wasn't fucking sleeping or eating. And he was a wreck. And with each new ailment that he was getting, he became more and more obsessed with finding out who placed this hex on him.
1: He so did have kind of thinner. Like, he totally had thinner.
0: He did. Yeah. That's I thought about this. Yeah. So he, I mean, obviously he has this, this problem. He had it as a baby. Then he had it as a child. Now he's having it as a late teen. Where he's very, <sighs> like prone to malnutrition and obviously when you're malnourished you are getting other ailments like stomach aches headaches fatigue you know all this stuff so with each new symptom he was getting he was thinking that it was another just an issue of this hex so he met with a woman by the name of Lily Holloway fuck that's not True. I so,
1: say Holloways from the the TV show Charmed. They're the Holloways.
0: Yeah. Nope. He didn't meet with a woman. He didn't meet he, with the Charmed girls. <laughs> no. He did meet a woman by the name of Lily Holloway, the 17 year old daughter of his landlord. One of his landlords. You know, he kind of moved around. But he met this woman. They married, and he began to get better. He gained his weight back. His headache stopped. Mentally, he got better as well. He also got more clients doing his powwow work, but his wife got pregnant with their first child. And when she delivered this first child, the baby died five weeks after he was born. So, I mean, it was that was just one blow. Then she got pregnant again and his second child died after being born prematurely, having lived only three days. Oof. So he basically was just like this hex is back. Fuck that. You know, I mean, honestly, losing two children in that succession, even if he didn't think he had a hex before, you might want to start thinking that, you know, there's something right. of bad. luck. Like I, I can imagine the the emotional turmoil and then him having kind of that out already. True. Of this hex. He would definitely start to believe it more. Uh, So that was it. I mean, he just he lost his shit. He became so obsessed with this hex. He again lost weight. Headaches came back. He went to a witch doctor by the name of Andrew Leonard, who was very feared. He also was like the all powerful Oz in that area. Like he was fucking someone to be reckoned with. He told John that the hex was placed on him by someone very close to him. So he became convinced that his wife, Lily, had put the hex on him, which is crazy Mm. because he had the hex before he fucking met her. So, like, what she just, I'm going to put a hex on a man and then I'm going to marry him Uh. and then I'm going to let my babies die just to piss him off. Like,
1: what the fuck? For no reason. Like, who is this chick or who is this guy that would piss
0: off this chick so much? Right. And he had this hex from when he was like 13? probably 16 or 17. Well, no, because he was at the cigar factory and then he was there for a year. So that was 13 to 14. So he was probably f- around 15 when this hex got so bad. Lily is two years younger than him. So she would have been like 12, 13. What fucking 12, 13 year old is going to put out a hex to some man like it doesn't it does it doesn't track doesn't make sense. Anyway, he became obsessed that it was her. She began fearing that he was going to kill her. When I tell you this, you're going to understand why it absolutely made sense that she thought she was going to die because a client, another client of Andrew Leonard. The the power became certain that her husband was the cause of her physical pain after Andrew told her that the source was very close to her. Right. So she had physical pain. She went to go see a witch doctor. The witch doctor said. (laughs) Oh, my God. Do you remember this song? I saw. (laughs) I couldn't couldn't get past it in my brain because I said she saw the witch doctor. (laughs) All right. So, okay, so this wife, she had this physical pain all in her body. So she went to the local doctor, which was the witch doctor. And Andrew told her that the source was very close. So she decided to shoot and kill her husband because she was so much pain. She was like, fuck this. You got to go so that I'm not in pain anymore. So she shot and killed him. She got arrested. She went to jail. And then she died by suicide in jail. So Lily was like, fuck dude. Like he's going to, he thinks it's me. He's going to kill me. I mean, he went to the same doctor that this other woman went to. So Lily uh, went to her family and her family helped her uh, get John to a psychiatrist psychoneurotic. Psych- psych- so he was committed to a state hospital. <laughs> this kills me. Okay, he was committed to the state mental hospital. 48 days later, so not even two months later, he escaped by walking out the fucking door. Oh, well. He just (laughs) left. Then he went back. Peace out. Yeah. He went back uh, to his town. And nobody cared enough to fucking recommit him. Like, they just were like, oh, all right. He's gone. So Lily was granted a divorce because she was like, I'm fu- I don't want this in my life. Right. Nobody wants a psycho husband. Yeah. So here we are. 1928. John was back at the cigar factory. He is, I don't know, in his 20s now. I don't know. He's got time. He's back at the fucking place he worked. I can't even, it, it blows my mind. You're committed to a mental institution. You decide to peace out. You go back to your town, back to your old job, and nobody is batting an eye. Nobody's like, uh, perhaps we should reevaluate him or see if he, you know what I mean? Like, Especially anyway. back then where mental health
1: wasn't, you know, acceptable like it is today. Yeah. You no, were, were either good. understanding. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. You were either all good mentally or you needed to be locked up. There was yes. no like, okay, take medicine and then you're okay. Right. Yeah. Or exactly. You get better.
1: You just need a little time off. No.
0: Yeah. So he met a 14 year old boy by the name of John Curry, who was also cursed. John Curry was, he was like, I'm cursed. I've got a hex on me, blah, blah, blah. But he's also 14 years old. I mean, How do you bring this up between two people, so I got a hex on me. Really? So do I. Yeah. That's. Weird. It's probably. I mean, they're working in a cigar factory. They probably have something. You know, they're sharing either they're working next to each other or whatever.
1: I you were gonna say they're sharing a sandwich, you know?
0: They're sharing a sandwich, and they're <laughs> like, "Yeah, man, <laughs> they left off the mustard. Me too. It's because I <laughs> have a fucking hex on me." Me oh too. So, <laughs> yeah.
1: I wanted to be like, that
0: so bad. <laughs> I don't know how it was. I have no idea. But anyway, they bonded over the fact that they were both cursed. So they became equally obsessed together, finding their hexer. So they got deeper and deeper to their obsession. It was like an echo chamber. You know, it was like one person was like, oh, I'm so, you know, I'm so... Cursed, blah, blah, blah. Yes, you are. You're cursed. This and that. So they, they came. Each other. Exactly. That's exactly. I just couldn't say it that articulately. Articulate. I'm, talk... hey, I'm off the good... deep end, man. I'm off the deep end. I'm, uh, I'm only a glass and a half in. Fuck my life. It's okay. I started through my story, too. And there right. was no reason for it. <laughs> the John and John. Became friends over their obsession. They decided to branch out and find a different witch doctor. Mm -hmm. No, no. So John Blymere and John Curry both ventured out and they found this woman named Nellie Knoll. She was a, an old witch doctor. She was in her nineties and she was known as the river witch of Marietta. Ooh. Also in Pennsylvania, you know, very near to them, but it was outside of their town. After the two consulted her for a time, she identified the hexer as Nelson Raymeyer. Now, I didn't put this in my notes because there's no way of knowing. That's um, pretty specific. Yeah, but she said it was this Nelson who was a well known witch doctor. But and so John Blymere was like, no, man, he helped me when I was a kid. I mean, you know, he was the one that helped me get over my ailments as a child. That's where my dad brought me. There's no way it's him. And she said, yes, it is. I she gave him a dollar bill and put it on his hand and said, stare at this dollar bill. And then she took it away from him and he saw. Um, he saw Nelson's face in his hand. So I kind of think of it like you know, when you're staring at something with a light or something and then it's removed and you see the negative image, you see right. kind of the shadow. But that that's what convinced him. He had seen her uh Nellie Knoll like six times, and she kept telling him it's Nelson Raymeyer. That's that's who Put a hex on you. And he's like, there's no way he's a friend of the family. Like, there's no way that that happened. And this was finally what convinced him. She said the only way to break the hex was to find Nelson's copy of Long Lost Friend, which is a book of recipes, charms and remedies that was written by a German author named John George Homan in 1820. So it's kind of like the powwowers Bible. It's all the recipes and different things to cure whatever ails you, whatever. So she said, you have to find this long lost friend of Nelson's and burn it and or cut a lock of his hair and bury it at least six feet deep in the ground. So John also at this time had a farmer as a client. And John couldn't find the source of why this farmer's livestock was wasting away. He went and looked at that at the, the livestock. He was giving charms and chants. Nothing was happening. So he went to Nellie Knoll with the problem. Nellie Knoll happened to say, hey, Nelson put a hex on him as well. So she's just feeding fucking these people Nelson's name. I mean, like. I don't know if there's some beef between Nellie and Nelson. Right. Maybe he took her name. She didn't like that. Yeah. She's the original Nellie and she's like, look, Nelson. So I don't know what was going on, but she or if she just, dis, I mean, maybe she just picked his name out of the hat and started feeding it to people. Who knows? So now there's this farmer, Hess, who thinks that it's, uh, nelson as well who's fucking with him so we have john blymere john curry and farmer hess who are all convinced that nelson Re- Raymire was to blame for their collected misfortune they decide it was up to them to break the curse and they need to get the long lost friend or sorry the, yeah the long lost friend the book or a lock of nelson's hair and because nelson was so they wanted to go into the house when he was not there to take the spell book. But a little note here is Farmer Hess was on the older side. So he had his son, an older side in 1920. So probably my age.
1: <laughs> yeah. Right.
0: He so he had his son, Wilbert Hess, help John Curry and John Blymere. And Uh, Wilbert was, uh, I think he was like 16 at the time or 14. I think he was 14 at the time. So his parents basically farmed him out like, no, I can't help you, you know, sneak around this man's house, but I'll give you my son. Uh, I
1: get it. Okay.
0: Yeah. So they needed to go get this book, which they, what they wanted to do was they wanted to sneak into the house, find the book and then get out so they could burn this book. And the, the farmer was like, I'm too old for this shit. I can't be sneaking into houses, whatever. Here, take my son. He can do it. Like, he's big, strong brute. So Nelson had a wife who didn't live with him. They were estranged, but the wife lived in a home just over the hill from Nelson's house. This is because Nelson had an obsession with his own magic and healing. And his wife, Alice, left him and took their daughters. And... This I watched a documentary about this Hex Hollow. I watched it about two months ago, which is why I thought of this. It's called Hex Hollow Witchcraft and Murder in Pennsylvania. It's it's really it's not as good as I thought it would be. I wish I had done research before I watched the documentary, but I happened to watch the documentary just a couple months ago. And that's why this occurred to me when we were doing something in Pennsylvania it was. It's a good documentary in that it's done well, but it's not that exciting. It's more exciting to just Google it and then find your own things on the web. Uh, but that. at least, but at least this documentary gives you faces to the names because I'll get to it later. But it's the grant. It's the great grandson of Nelson that still owns that house. Oh, Nelson's house. So, so yeah. And that's how I uh, found out that Nelson's estranged wife still did his laundry and he brought it to her each week and she did it and then she would put it in a basket and he would pick it up when she was finished. She probably thought, you know what, this is my only interaction. It's all good. Which is funny because I didn't read that anywhere. Nobody said that in any of these sites that I looked at. but. They talked about it in the documentary. So, And the documentary was interviewing the kin of these people. Huh. She must anyway. have had a diary or something. Well, it's possible that the people who were doing the on stuff on their website, because the documentary came out, I think, in 2015. So perhaps these websites were before that, like the, the blogs and stuff, and they oh, just maybe. didn't come across the information. All right. So the three men... And I use men loosely because most of them are teenagers or two of them are teenagers. They focused on breaking the curse by sneaking this book out. They wanted to, you know, go to his home, take it when he wasn't there. So which is strange to me, because then on other websites that I was looking at, it says that they went to his home. He wasn't home. So they went up the hill to his estranged wife's house and knocked on his door or knocked on her door. She said, Well, he's probably at his lady friend's house like he's probably not here because he's got ladies. Uh, Lady friend. Yeah. So they left for a while, but then they returned around midnight back to Nelson's house and they noticed the light was on. So they knocked on the door and Nelson welcomed the men into his house. He's like, come on in. They chatted for a while. And the whole time, John was convinced that Nelson could read his mind and knew what what they wanted because they never brought up the book but he was so concerned like he knows what I want uh, like he's not going to be able to give it to me whatever so (laughs) eventually Nelson goes I'm going to bed you guys can stay here if you want but I'm going to bed so he went to bed and then he woke up in the morning and they were still there and he said I'll make you breakfast so he made them all breakfast yeah which is great So they did look for the book that whole night, basically, while Nelson was asleep, and they couldn't find this book. So after they left, after this fucking nice man made them breakfast, they left the house and devised a plan for their attack next time. They went to a hardware store and they bought a bunch of rope and they all went back the night of November 27th, 1928, which is the day before Thanksgiving, which is just fucking awful. Like, don't commit crimes at the holidays. It's not nice. rude. Well, it just ruins the holidays for all their family members from every holiday to come. Like, don't fucking do it around holiday.
1: <laughs> that's Sorry. your public service announcement.
0: Yes. Pick a random fucking day. Gives them something else to celebrate. Right? August, I'm <laughs> Like, nothing goes
1: on in August, you know? August is a good time. June, yeah.
0: even. June, yeah. June's a good one. All right. So they went back day before Thanksgiving. They knocked on the door. Nelson invited them in again, because why does he have a problem with them? I mean, they were there last night. They were just hanging out. Apparently, he thinks they're like new best friends. I don't know why you would just let people hang out in your house like these. You don't know them, but I'm going to go to bed, have free range of my house. Like, no, I would not do that. (laughs) I don't know. Maybe he's. Yeah, maybe he's a better man than I. So this time, there was no small talk. Nelson invited them in. Immediately, John Blymere was like, give me the book. Give me the lost friend's book. That's what I'm here for. Nelson said, I don't have this book. This pissed John off enough to start a physical fight with him. So like I said before, Nelson was 6'2", and John Nelson... Weighed hundred pounds and John. Yeah. John was very small. So it took all three of these boys to get Nelson down on the ground. And then they tied him up with the rope that they brought. Nelson was now tied up on the floor and he said, okay, I'll give you the book in exchange for my release, right? Like, let me the fuck up. I'll give you the book. So they let him up. They said, (laughs) okay, fine. We'll untie you. They untied him and Nelson got up and then he threw his wallet out at them, trying to make him believe that that was the book. So this pissed them off where they were like, fuck this dude. And they started kicking and hitting him and beating him. And they tied rope around his neck. They choked him. They basically, they beat him to death. They just, they were so mad. They That's were just terrible. Yeah. They were so certain that it was all him. You know, all of their bad luck was all his fault. So they just kind of let loose. John Curry hit him with a wooden block. They then robbed the house because they were thinking, okay, well, let's make it look like a burglary. They got a whole $2.80, which in today's money is $42.43.
1: Oh, jeez.
0: They divided the money between them, which is the three of them. So that is 93 cents between, you know, each one got 93 cents, which is $14 and 14 cents today. So that's, (laughs) that's a good
1: reason to kill a man.
0: All right. So the men poured kerosene on him and lit him on fire. And then they left. They fled the scene. They thought the curse was broken, which is weird to me because Nellie told them, burn the book. Or Take a lock of his or, hair, take a lock of the hair and burn it, and none of those were done. So I don't know if they thought because they lit him on fire, they thought the book was in the house, the book would burn up. Like I don't or know. his hair
1: would burn up. Do the same. No, thing. but you
0: have to bury it.
1: You oh, have to bury right. the hair. Six feet. You're right. Yeah. The hair. Six feet.
0: So right. I don't. Whatever it was, they didn't. They didn't do what they were supposed to do. But idiots. Okay, well, here's something. So for some spooky reason, Nelson's body did not burn and his house did not burn either. They lit it on fire. They poured kerosene everywhere. They lit multiple places and then they ran. Oh, that's weird. And nothing burned. The house, the, the body, nothing burned because of this there is a lot of speculation that the power had great, great magic. And so it lives on today that like his lineage is filled with great power. Nelson Ramirez body lay in his house for three days until a neighbor knocked on his door because Nelson's hungry donkey wouldn't shut the fuck up. Like he just kept donkeys, man. So they knocked on his door. Like what the, are you going to feed this thing? Or like, what's wrong with you? Like what's happening? (laughs) So, The police were investigating it and they were asking questions to people surrounding the family. Like, have you seen anything? What, you know, did he have any beef with anybody? And the wife, she told them, yeah, there were these three men who came looking for him the other night. And I told him, you know, he was probably out or whatever. So that's what led them to these three boys or men or whatever it's weird to say men when they're like 14 through 20 something because in in 1928 they were all considered men now they would be considered boys or teens or whatever so the judge in the trial was Ray P Sherwood and Sherwood thought that witchcraft was a bunch of malarkey and he <laughs> forbid the whole topic in trial he was like don't fucking mention witches Don't mention witchcraft. It's all like it's not allowed to be mentioned in my courtroom. So, his whole thing he said it's motivated by pure greed. It was robbery gone bad. Like they just wanted the money. But everybody knew that Nelson was poor. His house was valued between $500 and $1,000. And then all the surrounding houses around him were like around $100,000. Wow. Yeah. So his wife lived in a house that was around $100,000 when he left, when his wife left him, basically, she took the big house and he took this little shack like he was, you know, he wasn't making any money. Exactly. So in today's money, his estate would be between $7,500 and $15,000. The other houses around him were about 1.5 million. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So why would that be the house that you would choose to rob if if the motive was just robbery? Oof. The judge thought that if the idea of witchcraft was included, then the jury would empathize and they would let him off or let all of them off, which he didn't want, which is insane to me. Uh, they were all found guilty of murder. John Curry and John Blymere first degree murder. They were given life sentences. And Hess, uh, Wilbert Hess, was given a sentence of 10 to 20 years for second-degree murder. Now, if you remember, Hess was basically given up by his parents to help with this whole situation. Right. So he was kind of along for the ride. But he did beat him to death. So, I mean, he he had the opportunity to walk away at some point. True. It wasn't like he was held there. Uh, but also I wanted to mention that Hess's family were more wealthy than the others. So he got a private lawyer uh, and the other two got public defenders. So that makes the difference. Yeah. But Wilbur Hess was released in 1953 when he was 56 years old. So he served a fuck ton of time because he was like 14 when he went into prison And John Curry was released from prison on parole, and he ended up serving in World War II and became an artist. And a lot of people in that town have his artwork hanging in their houses. And Blymere was also released and had an uneventful life. And there's nothing to tell if the curse followed him. I was just going to ask, so uh, did the Hex at least go away? Uh, Yeah, I guess. I mean, as far as either that or he spent time in prison and said, hey, I killed this guy and the Hex still is here. Maybe I just have bad luck. Maybe I shouldn't kill anybody else. I don't know. That would be nice, but yeah. Who's to who's to know? Or maybe he had great luck after. I don't know. But there's nothing on the Internet about it. So, yeah. But the Hex House, as it's known today, Nelson Ramirez, great grandson, has protected the house like he has uh, plexiglass on the floors. So visitors can walk on them and see the burn marks where they tried to light him on fire. But it didn't catch. And but they don't want to disturb it. So it's also – it's reportedly haunted, and there's many people who – I can understand who, why. <laughs> yeah, there's many people who venture to the house uh, just kind of um, – fuck, what's it called? Haunt huh. uh, haunt tripping or ghost tripping. Maybe that's what it's called. Ghost tripping. Yeah, they ghost trip to this house.
1: I'm looking it up.
0: There's want see if it's
1: one of the ones I – was wanted to go to when we were back there, but it was too far.
0: There's also um, a lot of like hexes around that area and it became known as he- the hex panic, which is kind of like, say, you know, the satanic panic of the eighties. Oh, the yeah. hex panic was really real in like the late twenties, early thirties there. So that contributes to the haunting in that area because people were freaking out that like, and they were saying, you know, babies are getting, uh, babies were dying and I use babies as basically zero through 10 years old. Like okay. there were a lot of like baby p- small children dying because people were bringing their kids to, um, these hours instead of a doctor and they were dying because they were using the home remedies, Instead of actual science. So that's a whole nother, you know, I didn't want it to be so long, but. Huh. That's interesting. Yeah, you're right. There's a whole thing of like, it's a thing. Yeah, we'll cover that. We should, we should shut this down though. Jen decided we should shut this down.
1: (laughs) You are out of control. I mean, I'll. I I wanted to say one more thing. I didn't name my sources. I want to do that really quick.
0: You did a, name your sources.
1: I didn't. Oh, it's Wikipedia, military.com, and historybyday.com. Okay. I feel better now. Okay. I have to get my sources out or I'll think about it all night. Be like, oh my God.
0: Okay. Nobody's going to sue you. I and don't if have they anything, do, so I was going to say they're not going to get shit anyway. So, yeah, it's not worth it. All right. Well, we love all of you. Wonderful people who support us. And also, uh, I wanted to give a short shout out to Liz.
1: Liz, yay. Thanks for listening. Yeah,
0: she's a wonderful person. We appreciate
1: you. Make a comment on our Facebook, Whiskey & Wino.
0: Yeah, for sure. Although she's she's living her life, living in the outbacks of places. And uh, she doesn't have a lot of cell reception. So she's downloading them in between and listening she's she's a maniac she just she lives where she pleases and you're wonderful Liz and I love you and I had a great time with you camping she's a nomad
1: I would have had a great time with you just so you know
0: yeah and James I'll give a little shout out to James too because he's cool too hey that's all your end oh <laughs> <laughs> all right well everybody be kind to each other and have fun and please drink lots of water. I don't know if everyone around is having heat waves like we are, oh, but
1: it's a whole US thing from what, what they say on MSN and MSN would lie. Yeah, so MSN lies for
0: sh always. always <laughs> lie. Uh, the internet doesn't lie. <laughs> keep hydrated. Everybody drink lots of water and keep a close eye on your elderly people that are around you. So. And your animals. Yes. Yeah, but don't go near your elderly people because you're going to give them COVID.
1: Yeah, so chill out, (laughs) all right?
0: All right. Bye, guys.
1: Ciao.